This episode is brought to you by Kelly Tischler Opals. To live it, love it and find it. That is the Outback Opal Queen's way. Find Kel online at www.kellytischleropals.com. Welcome to All Things Small Biz, a podcast to help you take the leap and run your own business from someone who has done it themselves and wants to share what they learnt with you. Hello and welcome to the All Things Small Biz podcast. My name is Sarah Hales, your host, and today we'll be talking about starting a business from your kitchen table. Today we'll be talking with the beautiful Vanessa Bell from Sarah Jane Bond. However, she is rebranding to Vanessa Bell. So we'll make sure that we tag the businesses at the end of the episode and in the show notes so that you know where to find her. But first, before we get into our chat with Vanessa, we'll bring in Brian for a little chat. How are you, Brian? Great. How are you, Sarah? Good, thank you. Still stuck at Noosa at this point? Yes, we are. Worst, stuck. <laughs> worst places to be stuck. Yeah, 100%. Worst places. There have been a little bit of logistical. We've had to cancel kindy. We've had to cancel daycare, work, podcast uh. interviews, your work. We I've just, had to take a few extra days. We cannot work. get out in any direction at all. But no. honestly, grateful. We're all safe. We're all happy. Worst places to be stuck. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Like it's, it's really hard having to go to some nice restaurants and eat some <laughs> really lovely food and and all that oh, that neck pain I've been getting. Oh, yeah, right. What's that about? That's uh, A lot of men out there would understand what I'm talking about in Noosa. When you're walking along, you get a oh, I can just feel it now. You're too much. Whiplash. All the good-looking surf girls. Yeah. I don't know when everyone stopped wearing pants. Yeah. So, Brian, any wins of the week? Wins of the week. You're just mm. ridiculous. This week, we have had multiple wins. Mm, what are they? Uh, each week, we seem to have multiple wins, but this week has been a great one. Mm-hmm. We have extended our holiday. Win again. Yes, it, it is. Yeah, it's great. Um, unfortunately, I can't be at work. Yeah. I'm really feeling bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll just have to laugh that one off. But uh, win for the week is that I get to spend more relaxation time with my family. That is true. And uh, a little bit more sun this week for a beach holiday. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think all of those alive, well, healthy, but also I am super grateful and I think it's an amazing win that I've been able to teach my course uh, for the last two weeks whilst I've been down here. Um, and yeah, definitely a win for me that I can work from wherever and nothing really changes. Um, I'm just in a different location. So I'm Probably a win, but also something I'm really grateful for. Yeah. We better move into the topic for today. Okay, sir. Kitchen table. That's not a stretch from where you started the business. Not at all. I, no. I literally started my bitch, my business. Your bitchness. <laughs> my business on the kitchen table while Jack was having sleeps in his little Moses basket. Other than having a Moses basket, what do you need to start a business on a kitchen table <sighs> when you're a busy mother? I had uh, my laptop, my phone, mm-hmm. and a notebook. That is all I had. Yeah. yeah. And that laptop got a workout because it got that much of a workout, the battery nearly blew up on it. Oh, that one did. Yeah, that's right. I had one of those. Um, we shouldn't mention brands, but it was sort of like a... We can we can mention brands. Well, we shouldn't, but it was a... Um, a tablet? 
A tablet, yeah. yeah. And the battery swelled up and it almost exploded yeah. in, the, in the kitchen. So that was a low point. That's a good one for people out there. Be aware that your batteries in your tablets and laptops can explode. They will start swelling. Yeah, the screen cracked. So that is a tip. Make mm. sure you keep your eye out for that. Yeah, so just be aware of that. And Okay, so what else do you need? Scissors? <laughs> An idea, basically. An idea. Yeah. <laughs> I had an idea, I have my laptop and I had my phone and the first thing that I did was, uh, we've talked about it before, I watched that video that Mel Robbins talks about with the 54321. So if you're feeling very anxious about something or if you're feeling frightened about something, well, your brain is set up to keep you safe, right? So if you're starting to feel anxious, then your brain will start feeding you all of these excuses. I can't do that. How can I, you know, how could I start a business? I don't have any business skills. I'm a mum who's at home with my baby. I've never run a business before. Your brain will start feeding you all the excuses under the sun so that you don't do it. And it's just trying to protect you from what it sees as this scary thing that might hurt you. But if you just count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, and take action, yeah. then you can short circuit that feeling and start yeah. taking action. So I watched that video and I just started to Google what I needed to do. I've said it so many times. I did it all backwards. I built my website because that was probably the thing that was making me most anxious is I didn't think that I had the skills to build my own website. Yeah. And then once I'd actually done that, uh, then I came up with a name for the business and then I found a product. Yeah. So that's how I did it. Ooh. And uh, I'm up to business number four now. So that method has now stood me in good stead. So it's tested. To keep moving forward. Yes, it's a tested method. All right. So who do you go to for help? Well, when I first started the first business that I started, which was West of the Waves, I looked and looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find the, you know, the person that I was looking for to be able to help me. And I guess what I was looking for was somebody who had been there and done it. Um, somebody who could basically help me collapse my trial and error time mm -hmm. was, was what I was looking for is I knew that I could get there mm -hmm. and I knew that there was a lot that I didn't know questions that I wanted to ask, things that I needed to help with. And I wanted somebody who could basically you know, instead of me having to learn everything over a period of time, if I could have somebody um, like, an, you know, coach in that space or whatever to share their knowledge yeah. so that it didn't take me as long to learn all of those things. Couldn't find it. And that is actually, yeah, the fourth, the fourth business that I've started is exactly that because when I was in that phase, uh, I made a promise to myself that once I did get there, that I would start that business and provide that service to people. Because if I was looking for it, then surely other people were looking for it too. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, what tools do you use? In my business? Yeah. Well, I do have a bit of a, a toolkit, I suppose. I use Shopify mm -hmm. to run my uh, e-commerce store. So yep. my um, product-based business, West of the Waves, is all through Shopify. Mm -hmm. That is able to set up my point of sale system. So if I was to have a pop-up shop, I can use, um, they have a, you know, thing for people checking out with their credit cards. I can have that across my phone, my iPad, uh, and my computer. So I can access all of that. And that runs all of your orders. You can keep all your customer information in there, uh, all of your emails, phone numbers, order history. Uh, I have that linked up for postage as yeah. well. 
Um, but other than Shopify, I use Excel quite a lot for like reporting and keeping track of uh, performance. Mm -hmm. I use Canva for making all of my social media tiles and, you know, photos and all of that sort of thing that I put onto my social media. I have a planning scheduling tool that I use, which is called Planoly. And that is to schedule all the social media in advance. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know what else I've got. Vistaprint? I do use Vistaprint a bit here and there, but I also use, I also use Xero for my accounting. Yeah. I use Trello, which is a um, is it, a planning tool, basically. So uh, you can put all of your tasks in there and organize them into lists. Is that and, the thing that you've got for me as well? Yeah, yeah. I have sent you a Trello request. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, obviously. And then I can't even think what else, but those are... Snapchat? Don't use Snapchat. No. no not big not. on my old Snapchat. Snappy. I feel like with the social medias, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. YouTube. What TikTok, YouTube. TikTok. Now that's one. I right recommend to my clients who do my course that you claim your online space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go and claim your name and have an account. But I feel like there's too much pressure on people to manage your YouTube account, manage your Instagram account. And it just, it takes a lot of time. And if you're trying to do like six or seven of those, um, you can't do them all well. So I recommend that if you're just doing it yourself, you'll need to just tackle one or two and do them really, really well rather than trying to spread yourself too thin mm-hmm. and doing them all poorly. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next question. Yeah. Can anyone do this? Start a business on the kitchen table? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon they can. I mean, if you've got an idea, yeah, I think anybody can. If you have a desire to, and we have talked about this in other episodes where you don't have to turn every single hobby into a business. If you don't want to start a business, don't do it. Don't feel the pressure to do it. If you just want to have a hobby, just have one. But if you have the desire to start a business, it is definitely within your capabilities. So kitchen table, Mm. that could be a bench out in your shed. Literally. Yeah. So it's just, what's the word? It's just a (laughs) symbol. Yeah. So kitchen table is just a symbol, but you actually did start yours on a kitchen table. Did start mine on a kitchen yeah. table. What would you say to someone thinking of starting? Start. Just do it. If you've got the desire to do it, then you should definitely just start because I have said this before. I was working in like a high level. I was managing a mining company. I had lo- you know, loads of skills and experience and I thought that I couldn't build my own online website and I probably yep. put that off for maybe like five years. So if you've got it, if it won't go away, if it's something that just keeps popping up over and over again, then I would recommend starting. Yeah. Find somebody who can help you. Find someone you can ask questions of. Find someone who can give you some coaching. Um, Do a course. Come and do my course. Get the skills that you need to get it going because if it's something that keeps popping up over and over and over again, yeah, I definitely think that it's meant for you and that you should take it and run with it. 100%. And also have a faith in yourself that you can do it. So true. This episode is brought to you by Kelly Tischler Opals. To live it, love it, and find it. 
That is the Outback Opal Queen's way. Find Kel online at www.kellytishleropals.com. So I know I briefly introduced Vanessa at the top of the podcast, but I just wanted to tell you just a little bit more about her. Vanessa's website and social media describes her as a global innovator, a voice for women and an entrepreneur. Vanessa has recently moved to a gorgeous property near Tamworth in central New South Wales. So I think it's probably best if we just get straight into the discussion today. And Vanessa can tell us all the amazing things that she's got going on. So could we start by getting you to tell us about the move, Vanessa? Yes, the move to Tamworth. I'm super excited it's been a really, really super cold winter here in the Southern Tablelands, so I'm really excited about moving to a warmer climate. Um, and actually, we've been looking at this property that we've just bought since 2012. Oh, my and goodness. Sort of in the grips of winter, my husband walked into the kitchen and said, oh, you know, like Cupacaraba's definitely on the market. And, you know, it was a big deal for, for us, just the two of us as a farming family. It's always been owned by big corporates. But um, in terms of station size, you know, I think if you're from the Northern Territory or Queensland, it would be relatively small. But for New South Wales, it, it is the largest land holding on the eastern full of the Great Dividing Range. So it's quite it's quite an opportunity in terms of the cattle station. There's a, a huge amount of history there. And um, yes, yeah, so we, we couldn't be more excited. And really, because I've got my little guy Charlie, we needed to get him into school. And so Tamworth seemed like a great fit. And as much as I love Armadale, I just couldn't face another really cold climate. So <laughs> Tamworth it is. But as it stands, I am up to my, you know, everywhere yeah. I look is just packing boxes. And, and But it's so, you know, packing such a great thing to do, really, because it's so cleansing. You find all this stuff that you haven't seen for years and you think, really, do I need this? No. So yeah, it's it's actually quite therapeutic. Yes, I recently, I feel a little guilty saying this, but when my husband and I were married, we um, were well into our 30s. I think he was 34 and I was 33. And we both owned our own homes and we had nice furniture. It wasn't as if we were, you know, university students living on a beanbag or something like that. So <laughs> when we came together and moved into one house, we did do a bit of a cleanse, but there was always that, oh, we'll keep that. You know, if we move into a bigger house, we might need that. And just recently I did a big clean out on our place because, you know, we got married, we moved in together. The house was probably already a little bit small because he's got a, a dog. So the yard was probably a little small, our house in town this is. And then we had our first baby and then we had our second baby. And I just felt like the house was just splitting at the seams. And I went to one of the, well, I went to a couple actually of the local like Salvation Army or Red Cross and they weren't taking any donations. I donated what I could, but I did an absolutely massive clean out of the house. <laughs> All of the kids' clothes that were just oh. a little bit too stained that you couldn't do hand-me-downs. And, sure. Oh, I just, yeah, I had a bit of guilt attached to it, but like you say, cleansing. Oh, my goodness. I felt so good just making space for us to actually live. That's right. It's really exciting. And I have to say, um, just just quickly on the topic there's so there's two moves for me there's a, a move to Tamworth and then there's the the station house and um I couldn't be more excited about sort of getting in and 
renovating that and and just it's just stunning it just sits over the most beautiful pristine river you've ever seen so all exciting things to come well I'm so excited to take a visit down there one day (laughs) anytime anytime that sounds great so Vanessa tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do sure so um, essentially I'm a farmer and a knitter and I've had Mm -hmm. quite a bizarre background. I was in high fashion for years. So I've spent many, many years overseas. And I also worked in a media agency in Sydney. So I've kind of got this bizarre background, which is a combination of high fashion finance and media. Anyway, long story short, um, kind of did the whole farmer wants a wife without the reality TV show, met Philip, fell madly in love and, you know, found myself living on a property. And then when we had our little guy, I was really Mm -hmm. searching for a blanket to keep him warm because it's such a cold climate here. And everything that I found was either polyester, you know, a a blend or, but I just wanted a proper, proper woolen blanket that would fit in his cot. Yes. Yeah. And my mum then handed me an heirloom that my great grandmother, Sarah Jane Bomb, knitted back in 1940. And it was, was really fantastic I mean it was certainly felted from wear but it was so beautiful and I just remember thinking oh my goodness like why can't you buy these you just can't find these anywhere and so I again everything happens in our kitchen so I walked into the kitchen and said to Philip I know I'm going to make baby blankets and you know I love knitting and, and he I think thought I'd lost my mind but literally by that afternoon I had a notice in the Gunning local newsletter and had recruited Um, some knitters by that afternoon and you know before you could blink it was kind of wheels in motion and so essentially Sarah Jane Bond was born and we started developing really beautiful hand-knitted baby blankets um, all from pure merino wool and we evolved into um, quite interesting patterns old designs from the 19. 20s and you know it was a really really a celebration for me because I started to have women that were involved that were historically you know if you're over the age of 50 in other industries you're considered past it whereas you know here I am with Mm, knitters that are our eldest knitters Pat is 90 and you know still feeling valued and creating these amazing pieces and there's no pressure you know I provide them with all the wool it's in their own home and the only caveat that I have is that there's no animals and no cigarette smoke or, or smoke from fires and it's just morphed and so it ended up being a bit of a side hustle again as I said from the kitchen table and then Landline, we were so lucky because Landline featured us on the ABC and then I became part of Buy From The Bush and it was wonderful to be in Martin Place. And I'll never forget that, Sarah, literally even now it puts, you know, it gives me goosebumps yeah. to, to walk into Martin Place and see Sarah Jane Bond up literally over the top of the stand. And I, I could only imagine what my great-grandmother would have thought coming from Dubbo. You know, it would have been a big moment for her. But Long story short, the brand yeah. has evolved and, you know, I knew it would always be difficult calling it Sarah Jane Bond because everyone, you know, I now answer to Sarah because everyone thought I was Sarah. <laughs> but the business has evolved and I now have and definitely have more in production, but we have all these beautiful new designs coming out. And so I've gone through just this process just before Christmas actually to completely rebrand. So the whole business now will be Vanessa Bell 
and there will be um, the baby blanket business and very much looking forward to getting the products into the States and the UK. And so it's, it's really now about taking a business from the kitchen table and turning it into a really premium brand and taking ownership of that and understanding that yes, as much yeah. as I love the blankets, that's just one element of a business. So I'm looking to also bring out a range of really vibey, beautiful merino jumpers for girls. So like really, you know, for ladies, just really fun, beautiful jumpers. And that sort of will then cross over into, um, I suppose, owning my story and being being a global innovator and, and really leveraging my opportunity as one of the only women in the world to, to have uh, four properties, one of which is, you know, a significant land holding that I can do really interesting things such as carbon farming and, you know, looking at other revenue streams. So it's it's definitely morphed, but it's it's been a journey. And I think, mm. you know, I love what you're doing with really teaching other people about small business and that journey. And I think for me, it's inherently an energy exchange. So as you know, you know, when you start off yeah. in a small business, it's getting to know people, it's understanding your tribe, it's talking to your community or with your community, you know, it's, it's about understanding what they need. And, and that's what I love about the entire journey. It's that, that energy exchange. Oh, I just loved everything you've said. I've been listening along, but I've got so many questions. <laughs> I too started my business on the kitchen table. And, you know, I say it all the time and I don't ever want to be repetitive on the podcast. But, you know, back when I was starting my business, I was um, an engineer running a, you know, multi-million dollar mining project. And for some strange reason, I thought that I didn't have the skills that I needed uh, to build my own website and to really take control. So I guess, you know, that's sort of where the podcast and then the coaching that I do comes from is because, you know, even though you have these amazing skills, sometimes you just have that little seed of doubt. And like you say, you really need to build your little community and you need to be able to connect with someone who will say, this is what you do, or this is what you don't do. And I've tried that and it didn't work. And you know, exactly. hold your hand and Absolutely. sort of just give you that tiny little bit of guidance to get you on your way because it can be quite lonely. Absolutely. And I think the thing, this is literally like I'm talking past sort of three months, I've had this huge revelation in that we as Aussies are inherently very humble. So we don't toot our own horn and you know, I love no. that. I actually really like that we're very humble and and you know that we're very very much about, yeah, just sort of staying low, keeping low under the radar. However, I've just realized <laughs> the power of owning my own story. So really, at the end of the day, small business, I believe, you really need to be clear on your values, your intent, your purpose, your passion. So Anyone that knows me knows I'm mad about wool. Like I knew nothing about wool other than being on the runway and wearing merino for the biggest designers in the world to now being in the yards. That passion for wool, I didn't really understand the attributes of it and, and the fact that, you know, we can save our oceans if people chose to wear a woolen jumper instead of synthetics, we wouldn't be washing microplastics into the ocean. You know, you won't meet anyone more, more passionate about wool. But in order for me to get that message out there, in order for me to, to educate people in 
buying a Vanessa Bell baby blanket, you're actually doing something to um, not only protect your child and, and provide comfort for your child, you're actually doing something in terms of being really actively contributing to the sustainability um, of and, and the health and benefit of the planet. So there's all of that passion that you need, but I really believe that stepping away and sort of hiding from your story is not helping anyone. You really need to take ownership of your story and to really be effective, be confident to pitch that story to other people so that you can get your message out there. And I think that that's something in small business we shy away from. We think, oh, who wants to know about our story? My story is mm. not important. But at the end of the day, if, you, if you're really clear on who you are, what your values are, how you can apply you know, your purpose to your community and how you can be purpose-driven, I think it's, it's incredibly powerful because you can drive change. And, and I think, you know, don't be afraid to follow journalists. Get involved. As, as I said, to me, small business is energy exchange. So find people that are really interesting that you enjoy reading their articles or follow them, comment, send them emails. Wow, I really loved what you're doing. You know, when you wrote this article, that was wonderful create a relationship and don't then don't be afraid to pitch to that particular journalist or outlet around what you're doing and more often than not they'll pick up your story because then you you know it's been an energy exchange and then you can get your message out and I think that's one thing that it's it's important to learn the skills to run a small business but it's also important to have the confidence to back yourself yeah I totally agree and with respect to that, oftentimes, you know, journalists and those sorts of people are having ideas pitched to them, you know, hundreds upon hundreds and they're, you know, lengthy and, you know, difficult to read. The thing with being innovative in a small business is that your story is different and it stands out and that's what they're looking for because they constantly get this barrage of the same, 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 same. Exactly. And then, exactly. you know, someone like yourself pops up who's had a complete change of life or career or, you know, and you're doing something that is so different to the norm. There's so many angles that your particular story could come at with the the farm to fashion, the bringing older people back into the workforce. It's just, it's wonderful. Oh, thank you, Sarah. And I think... The other thing I would say is, you know, and again, literally just going through this is that there's so much you can do by yourself in terms of creating your own website, utilizing platforms such as Canva or Kajabi or ClickFunnels or ActiveCampaign. There's so many amazing digital tools out there that one can utilize now. But on saying that, I think it's also really important to know when to reinvest in yourself and reinvest in the business. So, you know, my, my brand was a hot mess, to be frank. Like I, you know, it was Sarah Jane Bond, as, as I said, everyone's calling me Sarah, you know, I wasn't focused and I, to take it from that to the next level requires outside expertise. So I think you've got to know when it's time to, and I'm still doing this, like at the moment, I'm rebuilding my new website and I'm doing all the back end stuff because I can, because of my background in media. That said, I've had to do completely new rebranding with professionals. I need to do new shoots. You know, I have a web web developer come in and tidy up what I'm doing. I then need to, you know, make sure that things are really buttoned down. So in order to then go into the States and to the UK and, and Japan, 
people when look at you, you've already created a premium brand that you've got the product, you've got the story, you've got values. It's It all falls into place, but don't be afraid to engage other people for, for that expertise. And it's, I know a lot of people in small business think, oh my goodness, you know, I don't have that money. The cash flow is an issue, but it pays off. It, it's, it's, I think, really important to have strategy and an understanding of where you're going. Mm, definitely does. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, with some of the people that I help, this is a bit of feedback that I often get from some of the people in my coaching courses, is that they know that they could have got there, but to get that little shortcut and that little bit of help, they can get there so much faster and they can start getting a return on their investment faster. That's right. But I was watching something that my husband showed me yesterday and I can't remember the guy's name. He said to me, oh, Sarah, you should follow this guy. You'll really like him. But essentially what he was saying is that there seems to be a notion out there that if you don't work hard for something, that you're somehow less deserving or that um, you haven't really achieved. And I just disagree with that so much because if you can gain a little bit of knowledge from someone or read something or have someone help you and then you can start getting a return on your investment faster then that can only be good for your business. You don't need to feel guilty because you outsourced something. 100%. So Sarah, I believe that that comes back to alignment. And as I said at the beginning of the interview, the Mm. importance of energy exchange. So if you're aligning with the right people, that mentality won't exist. The right people will help you to realise success in a way that is not only empowering to you but to a broader community. So it becomes almost, you know, a, a tsunami of positivity that you are enabling. You know, in, in my case, I feel, as I said, for so long, I stepped away from the fact that I have incredible contacts, particularly in fashion and, and um, you know, globally. And I was, I was saying the other day, you know, for me, I would never have been remotely discussed any of the people that I've had in my life before, because I said it's it's un-Australian to do that. But if it means driving global change, if it means being able to utilise my position as a woman to show other women that, you know, you can have a small business, that you can then deliver that, take your front paddock to the world um, and then deliver beyond that to mm-hmm. creating a premium product to also then driving global change through that passion, I think that's incredibly important. And I think we need to step away from that mentality that you've just described and really, you know, really be much more positive about enabling each other to get there as quickly as possible. But, you know, I think the flip side of that is by not cutting corners, you know, you you don't want to sort of cut off your nose despite your face. I think it's important to just follow a really good strategy, have that advice in place, have a plan in place for the year. It's really easy in small business to just get overwhelmed with, you know, for me, it's running four farms and the kids and and all of these other challenges that come in on a daily basis. And it's really easy to just kind of go, oh, you know, I need to post something on social or it becomes quite reactionary. And I think we have to be just quite, you don't want to sort of step into that space either. You need to just sort of calm down and realise that people that really care about you and care about your product really at the end of the day, if, if you're not on social for three or four days, they don't care. They don't care at all. What they care about is what you're delivering, no. what you're bringing to their lives. 
So, Vanessa, when you took your products into Martin Place, what was the feedback that you were getting from your customers? Oh, my goodness. I I was just so completely blown away. Just so, I, I mean, I spent most of the time with Grace just in tears, you know, like I just... I just felt so um, so overwhelmed. And another one of my girlfriends, Emily Riggs from Iris and Wool, you know, we sort of grabbed each other and had a bit of a, a pinch me moment. The feedback was just extraordinary mm. on so many levels. I mean, in terms of the actual product itself, it was wonderful to hear older ladies coming in and saying, oh, finally, you know, it's just so wonderful to see these beautiful designs and, and craftsmanship back you know it's a dying art literally this level of knitting I mean some of our blankets take between three and four months to make so Mm. I think you know you you can't just walk into a store and buy them so I think that uh, one woman saw me on the news that morning jumped on a bus came in to buy three blankets because she had three grandchildren just wanted to say thank you thank you for doing so much for the you know wool business all those comments just around the drought, understanding what we'd been through, being able to show people photographs. So we have an outback station south of Cobar at Gilganya and, you know, it was four seasons of putting in crops and just standing there and watching them die time after time. Oh, it's just horrific. And then just being able to uh, show those photographs to people in Martin Place, it really joined the dots. And I suppose for me that is so much a part of my story is about um, the connectivity. So being in the city, growing, growing, you know, I basically grew up in Sydney, Middle Harbour. So coming from the city, being overseas for years in big cities like Tokyo and London and so on, and then ending up on the land, I think that connection of explaining the benefits of wool to people in the city that know nothing about it. And those that do remember it as being, oh, you know, the scratchy jumper that they were forced to wear back in the 70s. So I think it's been wonderful for me because in some ways, you know, I I can relate to both worlds and without sounding arrogant, I think that people can relate to me on that level because, you know, I have been the city girl, but I am also very much on the land. So I think it's, it's being able to communicate those attributes of, like I had no idea that wool was UVA and UVB protectant or antibacterial or yeah. the only thing that a baby should be wearing if they have eczema or, or the fact that it's thermoregulating. All those benefits need to be explained to people in the city so that they then start wearing wool so that we stop killing the planet. That's kind of my whole MO. But, yes, yeah. it's a big topic and I think for me the, the response, I cannot thank, you know, Grace, Millie, Georgie, they, the girls from Buy From The Bush, to be able to fundamentally change the consumer behaviour uh, on such a level. I mean, as, as farmers, none of us wanted a handout. You know, we're, we're all quite independent, very, um, I mean, as you know, being, being a farmer yourself, it's, it's important that what we wanted to communicate yeah. was that we were there to sell our really beautiful products that we didn't want to hand out. We just wanted people to to choose yeah. what was in the bush. That's right. And I think they've done that in a really tasteful way. And there's, you know, a few different things that have probably come off the back of it. But I think that they've done it so tastefully in that it's it's not come support us, we're sad, this is awful. It's 
open your eyes a little and have a look exactly. at the exactly. amazing craftsmanship, the beautiful products, but also the connection that is behind it because all of these people are so connected to uh, what they're producing, the value that they're putting into it. You know, I spoke with Lou Webb from Lou Webb Collection yes, and yes. I just I just love what she does. So many actually of the people that I've connected with have, you know, you'd probably only have to join a few dots and we come back to the <laughs> buy from right. the bush movement. So I think that what they've done is just so beautiful. Oh, it's extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. And I think, as I said, to see consumers thinking differently from the city, making conscious decisions to purchase from the bush was so joyous for us. And and it was really challenging. I mean, my I think you have to be inherently positive to be a farmer. And my husband in particular is super, super positive. But, you know, it did, it did take an effect on so many men in the bush. And I think a lot of women that were really, I mean, the amount of times you'd be shampoo in your hair and you'd go to turn the tap on and there was no water left to wash wash your hair or whatever it was the straw that, that broke the camel's mm. back but you know I think that so many women had to pick up the slack and create small businesses to, to have off-farm income it was imperative and and often you know you thought well it's only a few hundred dollars every week or whatever it was. But all of that made a difference to mental health. And and I think Buy From The Bush in particular and having women empowered through these online platforms, if you were to think back even 20 years ago, that was not possible. So I think for women to be empowered in particular mm. to create off-farm incomes was just fantastic. So good. I know. I know. I think about that often. I think about, you know, my great grandparents had a trucking business in Mackay. How would they ever possibly, they, they couldn't have dreamed of connecting with people, you know, a few hundred kilometers away in the That's state, right. you know, let Absolutely. alone when I'm sending parcels to Western Australia, Northern Territory, Tasmania on a weekly basis. I've got parcels going over the place to towns that I've never heard of before and I have little (laughs) pinch me moments because I just think it's amazing that they've found me. Totally agree with you and and how fantastic. I mean, Instagram in particular has been a godsend for my business. But to that point, I remember, and this is in the grip of the drought, you know, I was out West and I had to, drive to Cobar to the post office. And here I was standing at the Cobar post office, you know, sort of covered in red dirt, sending off one of my baby blankets to Switzerland. And I, I, I will never, like I remember thinking, how many kilometres is that? You know, <laughs> it's such a long way from Cobar to Switzerland. Yeah. All on the back of Instagram. You're probably also standing there with the red dust all over you thinking this is a far, far way <laughs> from somewhere glamorous where you may have been in a major city uh, exactly. when you were in the fashion industry. Totally. But you, do you know what? Someone asked me the other day, oh, you know, do you miss sort of being in that world? And and part of me will always miss being around really talented people that are creating beautiful, beautiful gowns. You know, I remember doing ball gowns for Christian Dior and seeing just the the level of construction and detail in the garments um, and being on the runway with really just amazing, working with amazing photographers and makeup artists. It's a really interesting world. I had the best experience and I think the fashion industry really gets quite run down, but I can only speak from experience and it was just 
amazing. I had so much fun. I got to travel the world. It really gave me a different perspective on life. That said, now I'm firmly on the land. You know, it's, I wouldn't trade, like literally wouldn't trade it for the world. And I think that particularly buying Kuplakaraba, it's been, you know, it's quite an exciting thing now to, to think about what's possible. And I think that I wouldn't have taken on the challenges that I am today that if I hadn't have had that experience in fashion, because I think it's, you know, it's about being fluid, looking at opportunities when they arise and really stepping through the doors that open for you. And, and I think that would be another thing that I would say with small businesses. Often if things aren't working, there's generally, <laughs> there's generally a reason for that and that you'll find that the doors that do open for you are meant to be. And that that's probably quite cliche, but I really believe that. No, I totally agree with that. I feel like sometimes if you just take action and you take a step, you may have the the goal in mind, but you sort of almost forget about the goal and you just take the first step. The path is almost revealed as you go. Once you've put something into action, then, you know, the next door will open and then the next door will open. Then all of a sudden you're well and truly on your path. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, again, really reinforced by the connection of community. So, you know, I... I feel like in one sense, I'm quite a shy person. So lately I've been reaching out to people on LinkedIn and I just reach out to them, find out what they're on, you know, what they're doing and just offer to have a coffee date with them once a week. So I might just have a 15 minute check-in with someone I've never met on the other side of the world and, or it might be in Sydney or wherever and just connect. And what I'm finding is that just being able to reach out and say hello to people. It's something that, you know, you feel a bit strange doing when you've never met that person before. But if you're aligning with people that have a similar interest, then again, you know, more opportunities come up that you didn't even know (laughs) were possible. So it's sometimes in small business, I think you have to try and get out of your comfort zone and, and get out and talk to people. And it's, I understand if you're a shy person, that's quite challenging, but it's, I definitely recommend doing it and I'd recommend building a database. So there's some really great CRMs like monday.com that you can use. And so now I just have a database of people that mm-hmm. I have a coffee date with and I chat to them and talk to them and, you know, figure out if there's any synergies or any opportunities moving forward that we could align on. And, and it's just amazing. And then you'll find that, that you're building a community of like-minded people. Oh, I want to be on the list. Let's start having a regular coffee. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Sounds great. Now, I wanted to ask you, do you use your own wool? At this point, no. And the reason why is because we've had huge issues with scouring facilities and traceability. So nothing would make me happier Mm -hmm. than having my own merino processed. And I've been on such a journey in the past two years in particular, trying to to get these wheels in motion. What I've come to is that that realistically the only place I can get my wool processed in small small batches is Italy. Um, And so with COVID, that has clearly been challenging. But the other thing is that, you know, I think for so long, I mean, the wool that we're using is Australian pure merino Australian wool. And, you know, it's great. It's, It's lovely wool. I think in terms of the story and traceability, obviously I'd, I'd ideally like to be using my own wool. So um, that will happen mm. down the track, but 
I think it's important to just as part of that journey, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to, you know, I really want to use my own wool, but it's a seasonal thing. You have to just understand that, you know, no one could see COVID coming. It's messed up so many plans for so many people. And I've just pressed ahead with feeling really confident in the wool that we are using, but knowing that from a a long-term perspective, I think it would be great for the consumer to have uh, ideally, I'd like to provide limited edition packages from a specific wool clip. So it'd be similar to an art series where you would buy, you know, blanket, machiné jacket, booties, beanie, et cetera, all from the same, from the same clip. So, you know, that, that strategy has been mm. there and sitting in, in the wings for quite some time. And that I hope will come to life. In the grand scheme of things, your business hasn't been running for that long. And I just from chatting to you in the short time that we've known each other, I just have absolutely no doubt that that will happen. You will make that happen. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Look, it's just, it's so joyful. I think the thing is with with having your own business, it's your baby to navigate. You can figure out what works for you, what doesn't. And one of the things, so again, back to these conversations. So Victoria Beckham's just brought out this range of super vibey, really fun, very funky jumpers. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I love these jumpers. So I reached out to one of her team to congratulate them to say, you know, just love the fact that it's all about traceability. And they've really, they've they've done a fantastic job in making sure all the wool is completely traceable. And that in itself is really challenging. So and, you know, thinking that I'd never hear from this person again. And, and she came back to me and said, you know, we're actually doing other projects and, you know, we'd be really happy to discuss doing something with you. We really love what you're doing. So I think I think it's, it's really important to just have yeah. a vision, think big, don't be afraid to talk to people, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Um, it's like I was talking before about, reducing microplastics in the ocean and uh, recently I again same thing reached out to the UN patron for oceans Lewis Pugh who you know I could see is connected with another friend of mine and just completely hi you know I'm Ness I'm super passionate about merino wool thought he'd never ever contact me ended up on a zoom call chatting all things wool on 10 o'clock on a Friday night after I'd had two glasses of red wine so (laughs) He said, what can I do to help you? And I said, for goodness sake, start talking to people at the UN around how important it is. You would, you're talking about climate change. You're talking about reducing microplastics. Let's start talking about wool. But the other thing that I'm super passionate about is the fibre and the importance of, it, of using merino wool as an opportunity to heal our young and to re-educate our young. So I'm very passionate about teaching knitting and I have actually a digital course called Knitting for, yes. for Mindfulness. And the whole focus is to educate people on the benefits of knitting. So I um, you know, I had a pretty horrific situation that happened back in 2007 and was partially blind for six months. And, and knitting, I mean, clearly not through that period I was knitting, but post then I kept picking up my knitting needles, not really understanding why. It took me a little while to join the dots, but but essentially every time I did, the panic attacks, the anxiety, everything just fell away. And I realized that through the unbelievable rhythmic qualities of knitting, I was then able to heal myself. And so 
that's why I created Knitting for Mindfulness. It was it's anyone can learn to knit for free on YouTube. Just go over and check it out. But what I do is far more powerful because it's about teaching knitting as an effective tool for life. So getting people to think about the health benefits, getting them to understand the importance of if you're not someone that is interested in meditation or you're not interested in other forms of therapy, this is a really great tool for people that are fidgeters or, you know, it's accessible, it's affordable, but particularly for children, you know, especially on the back of this pandemic, well, it's a bonus to STEM education for a start, but it's a really lovely thing for kids to do. And I started teaching it at our school where there were, you know, literally seven children in the entire school and I'd line them all up at the fence and, and then, you know, because of COVID, I had to be on the other side of the fence and I'd get them all to close their eyes and get them to talk about now, where would you like to be knitting today? And the responses of these kids that came back, there was one child that said to me with his eyes closed, with his knitting needles out, and he said, I'd like to be knitting by a very exclusive pool. And I thought, <laughs> kids are so gorgeous. Boys in particular make fantastic knitters. So, you know, I think for me the whole... Mm. The whole journey around wool is is all encompassing and, and I would urge anyone out there with a passion who's even remotely thinking about creating a small business to just go for it. Just there's so many opportunities now that are at your fingertips literally and, you know, just yeah. don't be someone that sits back in 10 years' time and thinks, oh, gee, you know, I really wish I tried that. Just give it a go. Yeah. A couple of things there. I mean, knitting, like you're saying, it's a skill for life because here you are, you know, giving employment and it's more than employment. It's the sense of purpose and the feeling like they're achieving something to 90-year-olds. I just think that that is beautiful. But the other thing that I was going to say is that whilst the pandemic may have been rubbish on so many levels, it has really opened up people's minds to... Uh, what is available to them online and people want to support small business. They want to support family business. They want to support rural business. They want to support the actual maker. So there's just no better time than to be online with your small business than right now. 100%. And, you know, I'll I'll put it out there now. Um, I'm a little crazy busy (laughs) at the moment with this move and so on, but If there are any young women out there, you know, I'm talking early 20s that are just stepping out into thinking about what they might like to do, by all means, reach out to me. I'm so happy to answer any questions or give any types of advice that I can through my journey. I think, you know, older women that are going through what it's been, the journey of small business, I really feel that like it's an important thing to empower other women coming up through the ranks. So by all means, if there's anything I can do to, you know, assist anyone out there, just give me a hoi. Oh, that's so beautiful. Vanessa, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. Before we sign off, let's give the rebrand, Vanessa Bell with the Sarah Jane Bond beautiful blankets. Let's give you a bit of a plug and tell people where they can find you and your beautiful products. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today, Sarah. It's been such a joy and such a pleasure. Um, At the moment, your best bet is to find me on Instagram at fashion to farmer. So my new brand is Vanessa Bell and you can find me very soon at vanessa-bell.com. 
And um, essentially, you can go right over there now and um, sign up and basically be in the, the running to win one of our blankets as we launch. So vanessa-bell.com. So thank you so much. I'm just so grateful for being here. Now it's time for wrap up snap quiz. Okay, this is a little bit different from last week's episode. I'll be asking the questions again, or do you think you should ask the questions to me? We can keep swapping it roundabout if you like, Brian, if okay. you want to be involved. I actually need to start doing the interviews, I believe. Oh, okay. Maybe well, we'll just have to start your own podcast. Well, that's another option, but I'd have to quit work or something to do that because <laughs> uh, this takes up a lot of time. Now, wrap up snap quiz. Mm-hmm. Could you start a business with $1,000? Not could you. I did it. Okay. You can definitely do that. Yeah. I think uh, old Crab Oz, it got started with an initial layout of about 360 bucks or something. Oh, do you think so? Well, look, think about it. I mean, you can build your whole entire Shopify website uh, without paying for it. Mm -hmm. So you can set up a free trial. Uh, That's on Shopify. I know that you can do the same on Wix and you can do the same on Square and I don't even know the names of any of the other ones that you can, but usually they always offer a free trial. So you can have your whole entire website built in the background without having to pay. You only need to start paying when you take your website live. Mm-hmm. If you purchase your URL, your, you know, www.westofthewaves.com, if you purchase your website address, that costs you $18 plus GST. So $19.80 for a year. Yeah. You pay a little bit more, but you can get your email address through there. So, you know, I have info at westofthewaves.com or sarah at westofthewaves.com or brian at westofthewaves.com. That's all connected to your URL. You have the outlay of your products. Mm -hmm. So I always recommend starting small with your products Mm -hmm. um, to just test and understand whether or not they are in fact going to sell. So depending on what your product might be, you might have a bit of an outlay there. Uh, A few business cards. Stickers, wrapping, Make postage. sure the spelling is correct on the business cards. <laughs> Brian once had some Brian once had some business cards printed that had maintenance spelt wrong. And not Brian's fault, the company's fault, but We're letting I, them off. We're letting I got them off. a serious amount of entertainment out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So realistically, I think that it's well and truly achievable to start a business for under a thousand dollars. Yeah, of course. And I've done it more than once. Yeah. If you had an option to start a small business from a kitchen table or a fancy office, what would you choose? Kitchen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why? Well, flexibility for me, flexibility and freedom. I feel like a fancy office comes with, you know, additional expenses, expectations, time frames. You've got to be there at a certain time of the day. They might be just, you know, things that I'm making up in my head, but when you ask me that question, that that's my gut reaction is kitchen because I've got the flexibility to do it when I want. I'm not answering to anyone else except myself. Yeah. So that leads on to my next question. Yeah. Do you think a business started in a boardroom is better than a business started in the kitchen or garage or shed? No, no. I think that some of the biggest tech companies in the world were started in garages. Yeah. I don't think something needs to be started from a fancy office to make it. Not at all. No, and I think it puts some limitations on there because then in a boardroom you're sitting there with a group of people and you might be uh, workshopping ideas, but then all of you are 
workshopping an idea ideas and then you're all going off in different ways to try and work it out in your own pattern. Oh yeah, definitely. And I just yeah, I don't think that anybody should be thinking that their business is less because of where it was started or how it was started or how much money it was started with. And I think, you know, you just need to Google a few big businesses yeah. and and understand their origins mm -hmm. um, to understand that it doesn't really matter where they start, it's where where they can go that is important. Give yourself a little bit of inspo. Yeah. I started Crab Oz. The way I started that was on the coffee table in that unit in Wollongong. Yes. When we first got married, I took a mining job in Wollongong. It was supposed to just be for a few months and it ended up being for almost a year, didn't it? Yeah. And you were flying back and forward uh, from Queensland and you um, didn't have a lot to do on your week off when you were down in Wollongong and you just decided that you were going to start a business. So, yeah. a la Crab Oz. Mm. Okay, Sarah, thanks for that. Um, some good answers there. I hope Thank people you. got some good information out of it. Absolutely. Hopefully next time we'll be coming to you from Mackay. Hopefully next time we'll be back in our usual... Uh, Bado. Boudoir. <laughs> I don't know the meanings of these words. We just you put don't. Them there. That is French for bedroom, my yeah. friend. <laughs> I was thinking more our podcast studio in my office, but, you know, whatever. We've done it in the bedroom before. Yeah, we did do that one time when the kids wouldn't go to sleep, so we had to bunker down in the bedroom. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our interview with Vanessa. Where you can find Vanessa will be in the show notes, and if you're looking to get in touch with Brian or I, you can jump onto our Facebook or Instagram and send us a message. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to All Things Small Biz. You can get more tips and find out about all the latest stuff we've got going on at the All Things Small Biz Instagram page. We'd love you to follow us. Or you can jump onto the website, www.allthingssmallbizpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.